Well, good morning. Okay. Uh, thanks. If my mom was here, she would have been like, good morning. Woo! Not really. She's not loud. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's not what we wanted. So, uh, that's not good. My name is Justin Craig. I am the family minister here at the church. And um, just to let you guys know in our bulletins, Last week's attendance was not 30. Uh, we had more than that. Might have been 36, 37. Um, but uh, last week's attendance was not 30. Just wanted to give you guys a heads up on that. Um, I'm excited because this morning I get to preach on a verse that I have known probably the, it's probably the longest verse that I've known. Like, I've known this for the longest amount of time is what I wanted to say. That was it. So I remember memorizing this verse. When I was at Vacation Bible School, Central Christian Church, Rockford, Illinois, when I was about seven, maybe eight, okay, because all the great things happened in my life when I was seven or maybe eight. Um, we got a memory verse card at the beginning of the week, had all five of the memory verses on it for the week, and if you memorized all five, you got thrown into the grand prize for like a bike. Now, having two older brothers, I've never had a new bike. I had worn tires and an old bike that didn't really work, and so I was excited about that, but even more exciting than that was if you memorized just one verse, you got to go to the VBS store. Anybody remember a VBS store? Nope. Awesome. So the VBS store, oh, we got one, Deb McDermott. Thank you. And we got two. We got two. Sorry. So the VBS store was really just the big children's ministry closet filled with all the junk that they couldn't get rid of throughout the year. So in there, there was everything from like little wristbands that you slap onto your wrist that work for about half a second or the kaleidoscope that they're like, oh, hold it up to the sun. And then you're temporarily blind. It's great. You know, that's always fun. Now I was after a yo-yo. I was after a yo-yo. All my friends had one because they didn't sell them at Aldi. I didn't have one, okay? So I was, I was excited about this. I, I wanted to go home, memorize the verse, come back on Tuesday and recite it for my teacher so I could go down, see if they got any yo-yos. So that's exactly what I did. Went home, said, Mom, Dad, I want to memorize a verse. My dad, being a pastor, was very excited about that. And I'm like, this is going to be great. They're like, which one are you going to memorize? I'm like, the shortest one. I mean, in my life, there's nothing wrong with the shortest, so it's fine. But uh, so I memorized this verse, our verse this morning, and I go, back, I go back to vacation Bible school the next day, and I said, hey, teacher, I remembered her name then, but I, for the life of me, for the last three weeks, I cannot remember her name. And so I was like, hey, teacher, I memorized a verse. And she's like, oh, great, we'll, we'll do the verse memory stuff over here in just a few seconds. I was like, awesome, I'm going to forget it by then, but cool. So when I get over to the corner, I recite my memory verse to her. She's like, that was word for words. That's so great. That's great job. You even knew where it was found. I was like, yeah, when do we get to go to the store? Like, I got to go to the VBS store. So we get the five or six of us that have memorized the verse, and we go down to the VBS store after snack time. And I walk in, and it's, it's like... Well, it's like a roller skating rink, like just opened up all their junk and just threw it all over the floor. And so it's like, cool, what do I want? And she's like, well, you can pick out of one of these five bins. Great. So I start digging through the bin and I see some yo-yos. Now they're the metal junky ones that have like the smiley face on it or the I heart Jesus one or the Jesus fish. That was cool back then. Or WWJD. Anybody? Anybody? No? Great. Great. So I find down in the bottom of this tote a yo-yo that looks like 
not one that fits in this tote. And I'm like, they must have thrown this one in here by accident. This is fantastic. And so I dig it out and I see that there are a few more down there. I was like, awesome. So I pick out the blue one. It's got some lights on the side of it, which makes me even more excited. And now I'm excited to go back to my class and show my friends, Jeffrey and Garrett, what I got for memorizing my verse. So I go back and they're like, hey man, what'd you get? It's like, I got a light up yo-yo. They're like, oh, that's awesome. And so I'm like, check this out. So I roll it down once, fling it back up. I was like, yeah. Roll it down again, fling it back up. Roll it down and I hit the ground and it burst into a bunch of pieces. And I was like, you gotta be joking me. It's like, this is terrible. So I gather up my pieces and my heart and my tears and I go over to my teacher and I'm like, teacher, my yo-yo broke. I was like, I've only had it for a few minutes. Can I, can I go get another one? And she goes, oh, Justin, I'm sorry. We have to make sure that there's enough for everybody. It's only Tuesday. We've got to make sure there's enough for everybody. And I'm like, so you don't have a return policy? I need to see your manager. Like, I need to talk to somebody else. Give me Pastor Rob. Get him in here. He'll let me get another yo-yo. My dad's on staff. Do you know who I am? It was just one of those really humble moments for me. And uh, so I held the pieces of the yo-yo in my heart, in, in my hands. And I'm just... I'm just in awe that she wouldn't let me go get another one. I was like, are you serious? I was like, it only lasted for a few minutes. And she says this to me. She goes, but Justin, the verse you memorized, that'll last a lifetime. (laughs) Boo, I want a yo-yo. Last me a lifetime. So I've gotten over my bitterness with VBS poorly made yo-yos, and poorly informed VBS volunteers. They need to stand by their product, I'll tell you that. And as I've been going through this story, as I've been recounting this story about when I first memorized this verse, and it made me realize that she was standing by her product. You see, the product was not for me to get a yo-yo, but for me to instill biblical knowledge into my mind so that I won't soon forget it. If you have your Bibles, they're going to be in John chapter 14, verse 6 this morning. If you're looking at the Bibles in front of you, it is page 901. John chapter 14, verse 6, one of the first verses I've ever memorized. I love this verse. John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I love this verse. It's simple. It's right to the point. It's easy to memorize. It's easy to remember, but in the heat of the moment when life gets complicated, it's also easy to forget that I remember it. You see, we may all know or remember this verse, but remembering and living are different things. So today, we're going to camp out under this verse. And see where God leads us through these words spoken about Jesus and by Jesus. But before we get to it, I want to talk a little bit about what's happening up to this point in our scripture this morning. Go back a chapter to John chapter 13. We see Jesus in the upper room with his disciples. And they are, they are sharing in the Last Supper together. And we actually see in chapter 13 that Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. A little character side note about Jesus. Judas is still in the room. Jesus is washing Judas' feet, knowing what's coming. Judas is the one to betray him and hand him over to the Roman government, and he still washes his feet. Then John chapter 13, verse 18, we see Jesus as he begins to talk about the betrayal that will happen soon by one of his closest friends. 
Then John chapter 13, verse 31, Jesus is starting to say goodbye as he knows the road ahead is coming fast, and he also predicts that Peter is going to deny him three times in his most crucial time of being alive. In John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus talks to the disciples about preparing a place for them in the Father's house. And then John chapter 14, verse 5, we hear Thomas's question. He says, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Now, we lovingly refer to Thomas as doubting Thomas. And he asks a question here not because of doubt, but because he seeks clarity curiosity, and he's a little bit confused. See, I don't think he's doubting Jesus here at all. I think he doesn't want to miss Jesus. Thomas's question here is not a bad thing because it delivers words from Jesus that we are still in very much need of today. Did you know that the brain develops most between the ages of two and five? The most brain growth that happens in a human being's time of living is between the ages of two and five. Again, in middle school, it, it, it spikes, but not nearly as high as when brain growth is happening between the ages of two and five. Makes you think about how you talk to your preschoolers, right? I have two of them. I'm not always a great dad. The average five-year-old you may know this statistic. The average five-year-old asks 160,000 questions a year. How would you like to be that person? One, two. Car rides are the worst. Get a thousand questions, one car ride. That's why we stopped taking car rides together. Why? I don't know. I don't know why the sign's green. I don't know. I have to believe that the two are related. See, the reason that brain growth happens so much is because they're asking so many questions. And that's why I don't think we should look down on Thomas for his question this morning. I think all of us could do a little better in life if we acted more like a two to five year old. So don't worry. As we look at this, as we look at this scripture from a two to five year old perspective this morning, there will be goldfish that will be handed out. Uh, some Cheerios for those of you with allergies. Please don't look out the window of the person next to you. And please, please, please don't steal the bulletin of someone next to you. But I think it would do us all really, really well if we were to ask questions of scriptures that are so familiar like this one. So this morning, let's look at this scripture from a perspective of a two to five-year-old or from the perspective of Thomas, and let's ask some questions of it. Because knowing something doesn't make it life-changing, but experiencing it will. There are three obvious points that Jesus makes in our scripture this morning about himself. Three characteristics, three traits, three identities fused into one Savior. And Jesus really defines himself for us here. So I want to look at them each individually. Jesus is the way. Why? Why is Jesus the way? Jesus is the way because we lose focus. If we ask why Jesus is the way, it's because we lose focus. We get lost, distracted, diverted, confused, sidetracked, preoccupied. And the feeling of being lost causes a lot of embarrassment because we have this innate desire to always be right. We were in Indianapolis this past Thursday, Friday, Saturday for my nephew's baseball tournament. We're not familiar with Indianapolis. We know that the real Indy 500 is 465 that goes around. You got to avoid all the cones and other people that are out there. 
But we don't know Indianapolis very well. We don't know the street names. We don't know the landmarks. And so as we're going out for dinner or lunch, we're following along in a caravan of people, right? My, my parents are in front of us. My brother and his family are in front of them. And my parents decide that they just need to run every orange light that they have out there. And so we are left at every stoplight just sitting there going, can you see them still? I can't see them anymore. Oh, man. Well, I guess we can guess. Uh, so, so we would go towards where we thought everybody was going. And it's like, oh, there's a big shopping center, but I didn't see it back there. So we drive. Now we're in somebody's driveway. And it's like, well, this can't be it. And, and so we start getting all turned around because we don't know street names. We don't know landmarks. We've never been there before. And I don't like being lost. I'm sure I'm not the only one in this room that doesn't like being lost. But when you are someplace new, it's easy to be lost. And there is tremendous relief when you find out where you are and where you are going. You see, Jesus was introducing someplace new to the disciples. They didn't know what Jesus was talking about. They didn't know the street names, the landmarks, the one ways, or anything like that. So Thomas takes the initiative and asks the question, Jesus, he says that he's the way because we lose focus. You see, Jesus came to be the way that we could never be for ourselves. Jesus did not come to show us a better way to God. He came to be the only way to God. I love the verse in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You know, it's funny. When we think about life today, we don't think about rest. We think about hustle. We think about schedules. We think about life in the minivan. We think about fast food and complain when it's not fast enough. We think about a full calendar and empty promises. We think about distractions. We think about our productivity. We think about our kids' success in all 24 sports and how important that actually is. We think about how every leadership book acts like the world depends on us and our success. And we think about everything except slowing down and rest is the last thing on our minds. If you don't hear anything else this morning, I know I'm already throwing this out there, so please continue to pay attention. Um, I think the greatest strength of the devil is his determination in the distraction. I think the greatest strength in the devil is his determination in the distraction. Bill Hybels writes in his book, Simplified, sometimes when we get depleted, we get scattered. We lose our ability to focus and we jump from one distraction to the next with little to show for it. This is interesting. We confuse motion with progress. See, Jesus is the way because we lose focus. Now, because I've asked you to think through this passage from a two to five-year-old perspective or from Thomas's perspective, you might be asking the question, what does God care about my schedule if I make time to be in church? I mean, let's, let's get real here for just a second. Let's be brutally honest. What does God care about my schedule if I make time to be in church? Well, let me say, you may be taking time to be the church, to be at church, but are you taking time to be the church? Are you taking time to be the church at home with your kids, with your grandkids? Are you taking time to be the church at the baseball field? Are you taking time to be the church with your neighbors? I had this family who, who came to me in May and they said, Justin, we're just a little, we're a little brokenhearted about this summer. We signed up kids in lots of different sports. They're on two different travel teams and they go in opposite directions and they play on Sundays. We're gonna miss church. What do we do? Like we try and listen to the podcast together. 
We have the what's in the Bible DVDs that are great for our kids on the road trips. But we're just really sick over this whole thing about missing church. I said to them, then you take church to your baseball field. You take church to your practices. You take church to your team dinners and fundraisers. You take church where you are going because people there need Jesus. Yes, church is important. I think Randy would punch me if he found out that I was talking about this. But yes, church is important. So we get together to be filled up, recharged, and grounded in Christ together. But this is not where it stops. You see, grace and love are expected on Sundays. Maybe not during football season, though. But grace and love are expected on Sunday mornings because it's church day. But Monday through Saturday, grace and love are surprises. See, it's one of our primary responsibilities to share this Christ-centered love and Christ-given grace to those we interact with. If we're going to be in constant motion, let's make it worth something in the eyes of the Father, introducing people to the kingdom. You see, we become so bogged down by our schedules that we cannot see over the top of our phone to see that the person sitting next to us in the bleachers is hurting and they need Jesus. We become distracted with ourselves. And I think this is our greatest distraction. Is the distraction of me, the distraction of my, the distraction of self. You see, Jesus doesn't just show us the way and then step aside so that we can figure it out on our own. Jesus points the way and then he takes the initiative, inviting us to join him so we don't get lost or distracted. We should be doing the same with others. When the Bible talks about Jesus as the way, it's not an abstraction, a slogan, or a principle. It's a metaphor, a road, a path, a street, a highway, a trail. And simultaneously, it's a person, a body that we can see and a spirit that we cannot see, speaking words that we can understand, sitting down to dinner with friends, teaching in a synagogue in Capernaum and along the shores of Galilee. He's sailing in a boat and riding on a donkey, throwing a picnic featuring bread and fish for thousands spending the night in prayer for us in the mountains, dying on a cross meant for criminals, rising from the dead and breathing resurrected life into us. Jesus is the way because we lose focus. I love the verse in John 16, where Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I don't know about you, but I want to follow the one who is already one. But in order to do that, I need to recognize that I am distracted and preoccupied and lost before I can see that I need to be redirected, replenished, and refreshed. See, I love that Jesus doesn't stop there. He answers Thomas's question and then continues on because he knows we need the other two things just as much. So Jesus is the way because... We lose focus. But Jesus is the truth because we lose accuracy. Craig Rochelle writes, we have an unlimited capacity to deceive ourselves. An unlimited capacity to deceive ourselves. See, really what we need is we need Jesus to be our filter for truth. We need Jesus to be our filter for truth. Not long ago, we were in the car sitting up in front in the minivan with my wife and our kids are yelling and screaming about something in the back. We're trying to carry on a conversation and she says to me, she goes, so what have you been reading? 
And I was excited because I just got done reading a killer book called Good Leaders Ask Great Questions by John Maxwell. I'm like, he's a Christian, was a former preacher, now is one of the biggest voices in leadership in the world. So I told her about all the takeaways that I had from this book and I was so excited about it. And I get done explaining and her face was just kind of still. And I'm like, why doesn't this excite you? And she goes, I was asking, what have you been reading in the word? Took me back for a second. I said, well, I just got done speaking at Little Galilee Christian Camp, so I read through all of 1 Peter because that was our topic, so I read through that recently, and then, well, while I was at camp, I read through 1 Timothy, but I guess beyond that, I haven't really been in the Word a whole lot. And it made me think that the slick cover of a book and the slick title of a blog can be the quickest way for me to transfer truth from Jesus' words to someone's opinion. I'm supposed to be the spiritual leader in my home. I'm a pastor at a church. It's very eye-opening for me. I'm not saying that blogs and books are wrong, but we need to be filtering them through the words of Jesus first. If we believe something to be true, are we measuring it against the one who is true? Or are we measuring it against what feels right to us? Because at that point, we've made the adjustment of true from Jesus to us. I love the scripture in John chapter 8. Jesus is talking with the, with the Pharisees. He's kind of having a, a rough back and forth, a very brutal, honest back and forth with the Pharisees. It's almost acting as a pre-trial for Jesus. And he says in John chapter 8, verse 44, he says to the Pharisees, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. This is pretty blunt. Jesus throws feelings to the side. And one of my favorite sayings that I feel like comes so true right here is that the kingdom matters more than our feelings. I led a focus group here over the last year in 2016. We analyzed everything that family ministry was doing. I had a bunch of parents come in. I had a bunch of leaders come in. And I, I wrote down all the things that we do on our whiteboards. Said, so this is what we do as family ministry. And I need you to be brutally honest because we want to be better at what we do. And I said, the kingdom matters more than my feelings do. So please be honest. And that's what we find Jesus doing here. See, he's not afraid to offend anyone for the sake of the gospel and truth. Jesus is willing to be wrong in the eyes of the world in order to be right in the eyes of the Father. See, God is not unreliable and indecisive like we are. God does not fear man. He does not alter who he is for others. He does not lie or change to prevent rejection. He does not lie for fear of disagreement or disapproval of his decisions. He is not hindered by present circumstances and always accomplishes his will. He does not hide his nature from us. He does not deceive us. What God promised, he fulfilled. What he foretold, he accomplished. His actions validated his words and his words perfectly revealed his holiness, goodness, and truth. Which is why it is so important for us to cling to the words of Jesus first.
why it's so important for us to allow Jesus' voice to be the loudest and most constant in our lives. And why it's so important for us in the middle of our insecurities, in the middle of our disagreements, and in the middle of our opinions, to return to the first and only true word, Jesus. Clinging to scripture tightly and daily, reluctantly and desperately, silently and aloud until he speaks truth into us. You see, truth isn't a feeling experienced. And truth isn't based on self-understanding or a contemporary situation. It's based on God's revelation, centered in the gospel and revealed by the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. And the biggest lie that we can tell is the truth that we keep to ourselves. In a world filled with so much pain and anger and mistrust and miscommunication and lies, we must be pointing others to the one truth, Jesus. You see, Jesus is the truth because we lose accuracy. Finally, Jesus is the life because we need hope. Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. You see, Jesus is the life because without him we are hopeless. Jesus is the life because without him we have no direction. Jesus is the life because without him we get what we deserve. But Jesus is not just the life that we walk into later when we die but the life that we can experience now. You see, it's not just about eternal life later, but it's about kingdom life now. Jesus describes eternal life in his final prayer in John chapter 17, verse three. He says, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You see, we don't have to wait until later to experience eternal life. It begins the moment that we make the decision to accept the invitation into God's story and we stop living for our story first. Kingdom life now is only opened up to us through the sacrifice of Jesus himself. Making not just a clear path of where to walk and how to walk and not just giving us a cornerstone of truth, but giving us new life, new inheritance, New focus, new minds, new eyes, new beliefs, new convictions, new self-images, and a new start where the old has gone and the new has come. But to be perfectly clear, the new doesn't come based on what we've done, but only from what Jesus has done through his perfect death on our sins, on our cross, on our hill. You see, Jesus wears the crown. We don't. Jesus carries our cross. We don't. Jesus dies our criminal death. We don't. He does all of this so that we can have life through his death. You see, Jesus is the life because with him we have an overflowing hope. Jesus is the life because with him we have significant direction. And Jesus is the life because with him we get what he deserves. Jesus is the life because we need hope. One of my favorite musicians is uh, Grammy award-winning 
uh, hip-hop artist Lecrae. He writes in his book, Unashamed, it's, just, it's a very clear um, picture of him. It's a clear picture of his story and how God has moved in and through some very traumatic things in his life to lead him where he is now. He says in his book, he says, following Jesus doesn't just save us from a less fulfilling life or eternal separation from God. It also saves us to a life that can radically transform the world around us through the power of God. You see, if we don't know we're lost, we can't be led. And if we can't be honest, we can't be healed. Before we can be rescued, we need to realize that we are stranded. Jesus comes to be everything we need and everything we can't be for ourselves, which is why he doesn't stop by just answering Thomas's question. Thomas strictly says, he says, how do we know the way? And Jesus answers, I am the way, but he doesn't stop. He says, because I am the truth and the life. See, Jesus comes to be the way because we will always wander and drift and suffer from distractions. Jesus comes to be the truth because we will always have loud voices shouting at us, quiet whispers of deceit speaking to us, and our own voice blocking out the one true voice. And Jesus is the life because we will always be in need of hope. Through Jesus, our spiritual poverty is exchanged for his spiritual riches. Our limited and biased perspectives for his truth and our physical limitations for his endless life. So I want to share with you now the main point of our sermon this morning as the band starts to make their way back up. I want to share with you the main point. Now a lot of preachers will share the main point up front. I'm not like most people as you can probably tell. But they like to share the point up front so that you know where they are going. But I wanted to share it here at the end so you have it when you're going. Because I think this is so easy for us to miss. Here it is. Jesus only, not Jesus and. See, a lot of the time we'll try and fill in that blank. I need Jesus and the perfect house. I need Jesus and the perfect kids. I need Jesus and the perfect job. I need Jesus and the perfect marriage. Too often in our minds, thoughts, actions, and words, it become Jesus and instead of Jesus only. Now, because I asked you to think of our scripture in the perspective of a two to five-year-old, or from the view of Thomas, you might be asking yourself the question, why Jesus? Out of everyone and everything in the world today, why follow Jesus? Well, Jesus answered in our scripture this morning, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Because when I get distracted, when I get lost, I don't want to take another detour. I want to know the way. When I cling to lies, I want to know where to get truth. When I feel consumed by the death that I bring on to myself, I need to know who can save me and who wants to save me. So there's three questions that I want, want you to internally ask this morning. If you picked up sermon notes, they're on your sermon notes. But the three questions are, what distractions do you need to silence this week? And I say you, not because, not because I don't need to silence distractions, but because we need to make this personal. What distractions do you need to silence this week? What lies do you need to quiet? And what sin needs to be put to death 
so you can experience life in Christ, life because of Christ, and life with Christ now. You see, it's not enough to remember a verse. Remembering something doesn't make it life-changing, but experiencing it will. Let's pray.